Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to give you this as well, baby. Thank you. Um, before I jump, I just want to... Sorry. I just want to speak a word to those who are watching on live stream. There, there's still so many of our family that I'm missing. And I just, just want to say to you that I miss you. I know there's choices we all make and we, we live our lives according to our conscience and that's, that's awesome, we bless that. But I just want you to know from my heart that I miss you and I'm praying that the Lord would stir you on a good path and that he would bring you back to be with us. Yeah. Yeah. This is a hug from their family that can't be here. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. You're precious. It's okay. We miss each other, right? Thank you. She came up and said, this is a hug from your family that, that is uh, out there in live stream land. I can't remember exactly my words on her, but you're a hug from your family that can't be here. But we, we want you to know that we miss you. And we're praying for the day we get to do that again uh, with you. You are not forgotten. You have not been forgotten. Well, now I need a tissue. And I'm going to have a hard time. Well, I'm going to have a hard time doing that. So, thank you. Uh, see, if, if we're not moved by each other. Whew. I got this from you yesterday. Listen, if you've, I just want to encourage you. Uh, Ryan, when do you do your podcasts? Tuesdays and Thursday evenings at 9 p.m. Ryan does a podcast. It's been, it's powerful. It's, it's just has a, he's the heart of an evangelist. He's just, uh, it, was, it was wonderful to watch you pour your heart out. <laughs> pour your heart out yesterday. But see, if this, if we don't, if we're not moved by each other, nothing will move us. If what you're going through doesn't affect me and make me want to come beside you and get up under your shoulder and lift your burden a little bit, I'm no good outside of these walls. Jesus said they'll know you are Christians. By what? By your love. love. I think we have a song cued that's got something to do with that. Let's, maybe we'll, let's listen to that first. Wow, I dried my eyes. Oh. 
Can you play Tina Turner in church? Okay, just for my sake, can we play that again? One, I think it's 154. Did you catch that? Now don't be distracted by my great dancing. I made Seth's year. You should have seen his face. He was like, I think I just made his year. I know he just got engaged, but that didn't hold a candle to what what I just provided for that man right there. I'm just saying. What's love got to do with it? Everything. It's everything. See, what we did at the park over there is meaningless without it. What we do inside these walls, we, we have technology back there in a tech booth. We've got people ministering to our kids today. We've got a worship team that puts on all these hours. What, what good is it? without love. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about being sent, but in the context of its core. Most often when we talk about being sent, see this year we're we're called, we, we really believe, we've been focusing our messages on a progressive build in our lives toward discipleship. We started out with a series called First Things First in January. We talked about these fundamental things that without which, without these things, we really can't sustain life in Jesus. And then we talked about, what was this? February's relationships, right? We talked about relationships, husband and wife, friends. We talked about work relationships. We talked about relationships. See, on top of these core fundamental things, everything works out of, out of and through relationships. And then we did a series on identity. Who are we? What a phenomenal question. We're talking about being sent and we're now facing ourselves outward or forward, if you will. We don't want to develop a culture where we're navel gazing all the time. This is all about us because the truth is it's really not all about you. The absolute truth is God so loved the that he gave. And you be part of it, so you, you're getting your some. And I, we want you to get some. And so when you get your fundamentals in place and you get your relationships in line, and when you understand who you are, now you've got this clear gateway between you and Father, which should doesn't just benefit you. Now it should create a clear gateway here. And so we're trying to talk about and reposition ourselves so that we're facing forward and outward. Most often when we have messages or series that we hear about evangelism and and being sent, most often, oh, thank you. 
our air conditioning is crying. Yeah, I got all teared up when I teared up for the live stream there. <laughs> Most often, it degrades, it, it becomes this weight around our neck. Man, that was like perfect. Say, like, wow. I'd have been up here three or four. She got it the first try. Most often when you talk about being sent, it degrades into this responsibility. Into this have to. We need to. Have to and need to are equally horrible as motivations. Have to is, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. Need to is, they need it so bad, I got to go. Neither of those motivations produce the right result. What's love got to do with this? The only reason to walk out these doors and to engage anyone is because you're moved with compassion to do it. I know he said in Matthew 28, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to be with you to the end of the day. I know he said it, and we talk about this as the Great Commission, and it's the Great Commission. What's that? Oh, that's a job. So now we got this, not only a job to do, but it's a great job. So we got all this burden to carry. And we walk out these doors and we, f we somehow leave behind the only motivation that will make us successful. Because it's not about have to, it's not about the need out there. Listen, if it were about the need, Jesus would have scurried around and healed everybody in Jerusalem. But he didn't. God's not driven by need. He is propelled by love. He didn't heal all the hundred and some people at the pool of Bethesda that day. He healed one that Father sent him to. Because it wasn't about need and it wasn't about having to prove anything. He didn't have to prove anything to the devil after he was baptized. The Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I, he, he knew who he was. He walked out of that place being led by the Spirit into the, to the wilderness. And the devil tempted him. And he tempted him about who he was. Our identity is so important. Knowing who we are is so important. But he didn't, Jesus did not take the bait. He did not have to prove who he was to the devil. Nobody in this room has to prove who they are to God or themselves walking out this door saying, I have a word for you. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You don't ever have to do that, period. Exclamation point. In fact, if we ever do that out of, without the love core component, we're messing with people. Because a word in season is life, but a word out of season will harden someone's heart. What are we trying to do here? Do we have a to-do list and we got to, there's so many metaphors I could use, but I, listen, what I, what I really want to get down to today is what's love got to do with this? 
1 Corinthians 13, I could, I could speak with the tongues of men and angels. I could prophesy. I could do all these amazing things, but if I don't have love, I'm worthless. Not that I don't have any value to God. I have value, but 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is all about Paul doing for the Corinthians what, what we feel God has been doing for us, leading us in a progression through, these, through this message series to make disciples who are positioned outward. And so Paul's saying in 12, listen, you got these spiritual gifts and they're powerful spiritual wounds that God comes and he does something supernatural. And when you birth it, it changes something supernaturally in other people's lives. Those are the gifts of the spirit. And then he says, you're part of this body, this many-membered thing, and we're all important. And then on 14, he's talking about how the gifts function and in, in context, of, it's, it's amazing. It's all of the throughput, the edification for somebody else's life. In the middle, that's where we find this 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. He said, you could do all of that in 12 and 14, but if you don't have love, it's not that you lose your value to God, but your value for God through you is gone. It's gone, nothing, zero. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of planting. I, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I'm telling you honestly. This is a season of life Don and I have been in for a couple years. I refuse to plant in fields that do not produce harvest anymore. I won't do it again. What I found out is that it's not often, it's not the soil and it's not the field. It's that I've become worthless. Again, not in his eyes. I, I retain my value that way. But for his purpose, when he gives me seed to plant, if I don't plant it with one motivation at core, I love just like he is, just like he does, then that seed has no effect. That's 1 Corinthians 13. See, I love it when we get to the end of the chapter, the greatest of these is love. We get, I love it. It's the love chapter. We all go, oh, it's a love chapter. It's so great. Do you understand that the love chapter was a warning? It was an admonition that we keep the right, the, the right core, that we keep the first thing as the first thing. Jesus said to Mary, to Martha, who's trying to get Mary out to help her, remember, Jesus said, Mary's chosen the better portion and it's not gonna be taken away from her. She's got the first thing is the first thing. But that's not just here. See, when I've learned to love him, I become like him. And then I can't help but be driven by the same thing that drives him and it's love. It's not about numbers. It's not about having to say something to every, somebody every time I go out. It's not that at all. Please don't get caught up in that. If you love, I got a t-shirt from this young man right up in front. If you love, you'll share. If you care, you'll share. And it's so true. You won't have to try to share. You won't have to try to witness. You won't have to try to fulfill a commission. If you just keep the first thing first, what's love got to do with it? Everything. You won't be able to keep your mouth shut. I get around Dawn and I'm baby this and baby that. and Hey, baby. Love you, baby. Hey, babe, how's it going? Hey, who is that on the phone, babe? I can't keep my mouth shut because I love her. Like, I like, really like her. It's like not even a put-on act up here. You think I dance weird here. <laughs> you should see how I dance at home. 
And you know she loves me because she, she winks and goes, hey, yeah, that was good, baby. <laughs> but if you love, love's the only motivation that works being sent. You know, I, I was pondering this this, this week, and I'm just going to share my heart this morning. I got scriptures. I got lots of things. I don't know. I, I was pondering this this week. You know, the truth is I've got nothing else to give. I want you to think this thought. Jesus said to his disciples, as freely, freely you've received, so freely give. Now, some of them had been healed because he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, right? Relieve the suffering is what, what he sent them to do with the power of the supernatural. And I got to thinking about that. You know, the reality, there's not one of us that can produce a miracle. I can't give someone a miracle. You say, well, I know what they need. Everyone needs forgiveness, and I can introduce them to Jesus. And Jesus said, well, yeah, you can do that. But if you don't do it with love, they actually won't be connected up to th with his heart of love and receive the whole pipeline of forgiveness that they need. Because you know what? They have a whole bunch of stuff they need forgiven from or of. Unless they really are connected up to the Father's love, they won't stay connected, love to give, connected long enough to get forgiven. I mean, they're already forgiven. Let's be clear about language. They're already forgiven. But they won't be connected up enough to know it. A to Z, it's all gone. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers them no more. It's love that does that. See, I got to thinking about this. The only thing I actually have to give, the only thing that I, I actually, because he has deposited his love in me, Paul said that amazing apostolic prayer, Ephesians 3. I pray that you be strengthened in your inner man with might. Why? So that we could turn around and give might away? Shazam! Kazowie! Whoa! Comic book Christianity. Bam! parking lot of Walmart. Did you see that? Wow, that was awesome. I love testimony. Sometimes we're, our testimonies give, give away what's missing in our heart and what we focused on. That isn't really the main thing. What's love got to do with it? Really? Why did you pray for that person? Why did you cross the chicken line? I, hear me, I'm not arguing against doing it at all. We want, this is what God's doing, turning us around and positioning it outward. But here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a real thing. Jesus also said that's, that when you're planting seed, you can get a 30, 60, or 100-fold return. My question to you is, what, what, what would you rather have? Oh, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody. Say, well, you know, I'm shooting for 5%. I, I, in fact, I'll take three. We all have these big dreams and desires, even when we're faced outward and we've got this passion and we've got the heart of God. We have these big dreams, but how are you going to get fulfilled in your big dream? Like 100% fulfilled. What's love got to do with it? See, we, we, we've, we found this out early on. I, I was so performance driven because I, you've heard part of my story. Um, I, I, I was so insecure growing up. Oh, Jesus. My deliverance needed deliverance. 
I remember we, we, were, we were probably only four, five, six years into the prophetic. And man, you know, I love prophesying to people. We, we're going to get back to doing more of that here. Not because prophecy is it, but because we love you. So we're, we're you know, we're, we're down at Christian International. It's where we were, uh, not that location, but we were part of that network. And we were, we were trained in Christian International's network of churches, hear the voice of God and prophesy. And so we're, we're kind of moving and shaking in that, that kind of thing. But we're still early on in this. And we, got, and we were down for a conference and they needed help to cover, because they, they offer personal prophetic ministry everybody, every conference attender. So Don and I were down there. We, we were one of the teams. Um, and we're prophesying. We had, I don't know, eight or 10 or 12. I don't remember, 15 people. I don't know how many people we were prophesying over. And as usual, like my preaching, we're usually, we, we, uh, I, we, you know, takes a little time. It's like a, it's like a good roast percolating in the coffee pot. At least, you know, you may, I'm just trying, it's, that's words of hope for you. <laughs> and we, I don't know when, we, we may have been a little longer and whatever, but there was, a, there was a couple of people who are, we didn't know who they were, but we found out later because they come up to us that they were part of the prophetic team there at the, at the headquarters. And they were really just providing oversight and covering for all the teams that were prophesying because the teams came from all over the U.S. They come up to us and they just were starting to dialogue and give us a little feedback. And, you know, what they said to me and Dawn, what they said to us, I've carried this as a treasure. This, this has got to be how long ago, babe? This is 20, I don't know, over 20 years ago. They said, you know, we just really appreciate and want to thank you. We appreciate how you ministered to, to those folks. And, and I'm sure there were great words. They couldn't hear the words. They're standing five, six rows, of, six, seven rows away. And I said, they said, I'm sure there were good words. But you know what we really appreciated the most about you two? Is that we could tell from where we stand that you loved every person standing in front of you. We get a choice, clanging symbol, or be a lover. See, God doesn't need your perfection. He doesn't need my great ability. He doesn't need the words to come out right. Because that's another hang up, right? We're sent. We're, you know, it sounds good in my brain until I and, and walk over and finally what I find in my brain is like. <laughs> He'll take it. You see, what happens, we, we, oftentimes we don't pray for miracles for people because we're concerned that we're, we, we don't want that, that if it doesn't happen, we don't want it to hurt their chances with Jesus. What if you're not on the hook for that? See, what I found out is when I'm sharing Jesus with someone and I'm praying for them, I don't, they, it doesn't wreck them if they don't see any manifestation. When I've loved them, if I just love them, you know what they walk away with? Feeling loved. 
That's the gift that you and I have to give. Jesus said to his disciples in John 20, 21, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The question is, how did the Father send Jesus? Now, I'm going to pull a scripture out that none of you will know. It is just hidden. It's tucked away. It's like hidden so underneath the rock you don't even know it. But I'm going to give you a chapter and verse because I know you won't believe me. It's John 3.16. How did God send his son? For God so that he, his son, that whoever would, would have. So how did God send his son? See, this is really important because Jesus said to his disciples, and you and I, we fit in this category. That's who we are, right? He said to his disciples, as the Father sent me, that's how I'm sending you. So if we're, if we're really, like, if we got, like, more than two rocks up here in this, like, cranial cavity, we're going to let them climb together and go, whoa, I got a great idea. Maybe I should pay attention to how God, the Father, sent God the Son. How was that again? What's love got to do with this? For God so that he gave. Now let me talk just for a moment about this concept of love because it's so twisted. We, we, we do not understand or realize, if we did, we do not understand or realize we're not aware of how much of what we believe and think is still coming from the world. We just aren't aware of it. If we were aware of it, we would quickly run to Jesus and repent. But this thing of love is still so twisted sometimes in us. What, what are we talking about love? We're, God's kind of love is the agape love, right? Starts with an A, ends with an E, has a P-A-G in the middle of it. It's an A-PAG-E, agape love. What is agape love? Well, I've heard this definition so, so many years, and for a lot of years I believed it. Well, it's, agape love is selfless love. Until Holy Spirit came one day with his blood-soaked eraser. And he started erasing that definition out of my heart. Because agape, agape love, how, what's love got to do with it? How are we going to be sent like Father sent Jesus? If we don't understand that it was love first, and what kind of love is this? Agape love is not selfless love. See, if I could draw a continuum for you, I'd put selfish over here on this side. You see that word selfish right here? And right in the middle, I'd put selfless. You, you understand the difference between selfish and selfless. Self selfless is better than selfish. And so we defined agape with something better than the worst. Good for us. Not so good for God. Because there's another word that I want to put on the love continuum. First, there's selfish, which all of us were caught up in. Then there's selfless. See, when we, when we start to understand that we've been loved so well by God that he gave his only son. And when we start to believe, we start losing the selfish. And we can become selfless. That's powerful. But that's not the end 
product that God's looking for. See, because there's another word over here. It's self-investing. Agape is not selfish. It's not even selfless. Well, yes, it's selfless. We could characterize it as selfless because it's self-sacrificing. But you can't agape unless you're willing to invest yourself. See, God didn't love you from heaven and say, hey, y'all, I kind of like you down there, so I just want you to know I love you. That would be selfless, but it's not agape. For God so that he See, Jesus came in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus walked the planet because agape love isn't just not selfish. It's not selfless. Agape love requires a self-investment. So God invested himself. He injected himself into our lives. See, if we stop at selfless, we'll walk over these chicken lines and we can give all day long. Hey, let me pray for you. Let me tell you about Jesus. And there's no love in it. There's no investment in it because I'm just doing the, it's selfless. If I remove myself, then I've got nothing to invest. That's why I can look in the camera with tears in my eyes and say, I miss you because I'm investing me. I, I can only do that because he is invested. I almost fell off the stage because he's invested in me. See, I only look like my father when I've become a son. And if I'm a son or a daughter, you know what I do? I carry his love with me and I am willing to dispense it, but it takes my self-investment in someone. Sometimes we don't share, we don't say because it's an inconvenience. Yeah, we got to get out of selfishness into selflessness just to open our mouths sometimes. But dear ones, can I say to you, it's not agape until you put yourself in it. See, when I, when I drive down the road and I see a homeless man, I can either roll the windows up and say, I, my, my gosh, I mean, if he just get to work or some mental illness, he just, I can say all those things and be selfless. It sounds selfish, but I can actually be selfless and say those things. Really, altruistically, I, I, I know how to fix his life. If he had just do this, this, that'll never change him. Neither will giving, be, neither will giving him your $10 bill change him. But you give him love, and it may take one time. It may take 10 times. It may take 100 times giving him love, real love, you stopping and investing in it. I remember there was, a, there was a, uh, a gentleman, his name was Tim. You probably have seen him if you've been around Lexington very, very much. Before the pandemic, several years ago, I saw him frequently when we were uh, having church over on Reynolds Road. He was homeless. Do you remember Tim? He'd sit on, park, he'd sit on benches in front of the stores, Target, Best Buy. Every time I saw Tim, didn't matter how busy I was, I made a beeline for Tim. And I'd sit beside him, hey Tim, how you doing today? First, it's like, you know, you know it's, they, they know, 
they can smell agenda. It's like, what, what's your agenda? I mean, what, what, what's your deal? So it took, took several times just to like, hey, no, I'm not here. Listen, I, you know, do you have enough to eat? I can help you. I can take you to get something to eat. Oh, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Right. Sitting beside Tim and just loving on him. See, some water, 1 Corinthians, some plant, some water, and some get to reap the harvest. You and I get, don't get to determine when we put ourselves out there, when we invest in someone with agape love, not just selfish or self-lift, but I'm actually going to put myself out there on his behalf because that's what he did for me. Now investing me. And you know what people feel? They feel something's different about you. This feels different. It's not like the 10 other people that came and shoved the bag of food in my lap. There's something different about you. You know what it is? It's authenticity. Because I actually authentically cared about Tim. I wasn't sitting on the bench trying to change him. Although he certainly could have used change. That's not my business. I was sent to, what's love got to do with this? I was sent to Tina, Tina Turner, his life. We, were sent, we have been sent like Jesus to agape people. Please don't remove yourself from the equation. The moment you do, you have bumped down way below 60, off of 160, way below 30. Return in the kingdom. Jesus didn't come with plastic. He came with authentic self-investment. Ah, it's crazy. I mean, every time, the woman with the issue of blood, what did he do? Whole crowds throwing him around him. She just presses through. She's been suffering for so long. Weak and tired. She was unclean. She, she should never have been out in public. And yet she presses to touch. And she's just the crowd. Can you imagine just the crowd? She didn't even turn to go. I, I imagine it this way. She didn't have to turn to go. The crowd is just pressing through and walking along with Jesus. And it just keeps progressing. All she had to do is stop. And the crowd just, can you imagine probably 10, 12, 15 people away? Jesus turns and says, who is the one who touched me? Why would Jesus do that? Because dispensing power is not enough. Our supernatural signs and wonders are amazing. They are that, signs and wonders to help people know that God loves them, but it's not enough. Jesus wanted to look her eye to eye. He wanted to know that she knew he saw her. He wanted to invest personally in her. The woman at the well, I could give you story after story. Listen, we were on vacation, about Jesus, about, let me, we were on vacation, right? A couple weeks ago. We're on, uh, we're on the beach. We found this restaurant on the beach and there's this Jamaican gal. I can't remember her first name. Do you remember her first name? I can't remember. I thought, I think it might've been Mary. I don't know. But, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's coming her way now. And I know it's, it, maybe you kind of dismiss it because everybody ministers to their waitress or waiter. I never let a mundane 
moment like that scroll by me. She comes over and she's talking a little bit. Just it's an initial, hey, my name is, I'm here to serve you. She comes back with her water. I just, I mean, what's different about you? You're amazing. And she starts opening up and tells her, by the time we left, we knew she had two kids. She was married. She loves her, both her kids. They moved here and she's taking care of, she's telling us all these stories and she has Ariel. Ariel is living with her. She's not even her daughter, but she, they over in her home because her heart is so big. I, we got this full story. Why? Because all I did was touch her with self-investing love. That's all I did. And her heart went like this. We're sitting on the beach, which, you, you know, if you know anything about me, listen, I, you know, I, I could never be a beach bum. I love walking in the sand, walking the beach with my honey, my babe, right? That's like my favorite thing. We do it like three or four times a day. But she, she can lay out and she'll, she gets like, Tan, I get like lobster. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what God was thinking, but he, that's like he, he thought it was a good idea, so my, I don't do that. But, so I don't like the layout. So we, we're, we're, we're sitting, we're laying on the beach. We have these uh, complimentary, you know, chase lounges where I'm under the umbrella. You know, it's one of those deals where it's going to get tilted so she can have the sun, and I'm like, and up under the thing. And, but all afternoon, I think it was the last day we were, Maybe the next last day we were there. Often I watched this, this black guy chasing his, you would assume it was his, like maybe year and a half year old, little girl. Just chasing her. And then to be back down and he's just trying to keep up with her. We were out there for like two and a half hours. And it's my heart just like. I wasn't going, I want to share Jesus with him. I want to. You know what I was? I just wanted to love him. Yeah, that is Jesus. But see, we've redefined Jesus as a thing, as a word. We're going to share Jesus. And what we mean is, I'm going to tell him the story. What if share Jesus means we just genuinely want to love him? So he's running around chasing it. They're doing sand, and she'd go up to the little, in the water community, and he'd chase her around. And he's such a, wow, tender, protective. He was doing such a good job being daddy. And I could see there was a, he had a, he had a kind of a, a, a little uh, cadre of family over here, right? And they'd be back and forth, and, I was doing something and I, I just, I looked up and they were, he and this, his little girl were gone. I'm like, oh, oh, where did they go? I can't believe, please don't let me be. I want to talk to this guy and just love on him. Couldn't find him. And eventually his family got up to leave and I told Don, I said, I got to go talk to them. So I get my lobster body across the white sands of Panama City Beach. And I walk up to their four, four ladies, maybe three, doesn't matter. Three generations of, of women in that house. And I said, I, I, I know this might be a little weird, but uh, was that the, the, the guy with the little girl, was that, was that his daughter? And they're kind of looking at me weird. 
what's your angle, dude, you know? <laughs> I said, no, I, I know, it, it's just a little weird, but I, I just want you to know, I, and could you just tell him for me? I, I was waiting for a good opportunity. I didn't want to distract him from his daughter, but I, I wanted to have a good opportunity to talk with him. But I, you got to know, I'm sitting, my wife and I are sitting back there on these chairs, and I'm watching him just genuinely love on his little girl. And it was moving my heart. He was loving her so well. I want you to know how much I appreciate that. He loves his daughter. And in this day and age, that doesn't always happen. That's not always part of the scenario. And so I just want to encourage you that you, you that man, whoever he belongs to, and it, she, she meet up to the, the middle, yeah, 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 he's mine. And then the mama, it was his mom, she, yeah, yeah, he's my son, you know. And they're all beaming, right? Why? Because I went, you know, you know, you're all sinners. And, and I got the answer to that. You need to get saved. And Jesus, God does love you. And he, sent, he loves you so much that he sent his son to take away the sin. And boy, if you just met Jesus, you'd ha- you know, he would just cleanse you. Now that's a message. But how many of you see the difference? Love opens people's hearts. Now if we don't ever get to the Jesus words part, there's something missing there too. So I'm not suggesting we never do that. I'm just suggesting that what's love got to do with it? I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. See, the, see, we're in the middle of this cultural challenge going on right now. Let me, let me just... The spirit of Antichrist is clogging our love pipe. Is there a love pipe? I don't know. God, can I say love pipe in church? I don't know. He didn't answer me, so I'm going to use it. The spirit of the Antichrist that's stirring up all this unrest that you see visually in our culture, not just ours in America, but the world, culture of the world, that spirit of the Antichrist is actually, we are allowing it, him to clog our love pipe. What do I mean? You know the Antichrist stirs up, he takes advantage of hurt, these last couple months I've been so aware we talked about this actually at our lead team meeting this this past week and I was sharing with them I really you know we we do need to be aware of the strategies of the enemy put on the whole armor of God Ephesians 6 so that you can withstand the wiles or the strategies of the enemy the armor of God what is that oh yeah that's I'm thinking right helmet of salvation see if you're not thinking right in the season we're living in you won't process well and you'll have interactions inside the church that will hurt you and you know what that does it clogs your love pipe If you let someone, someone's words inside this house cause you to be hurt, you know what you've done? You have given in to a spirit of Antichrist. And you've made, you've, you've mistaken this thing here to be all about you. How does that square with the gospel? Did Jesus allow himself to be hurt? 
I mean, listen, the cream of the crop that he picked are fighting over who's going to be the highest in rank. Even when he withstood Peter to his face and he said, listen, get behind me, Satan. The same chapter, just a few verses after he's praising Peter. Wow, you got it. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Just a few verses later, Peter, you don't know what spirit you're of. Get behind me, Satan. He didn't allow himself to be hurt. Because it wasn't about him. It was about them. We can turn our attention out. I, I, I got, I can't. See, we get hurt, then we get angry. When we, see, here, let me just tell you this. When we, when we give in to this spirit of the age, we are neglecting what Paul told us to do in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be Transformed. Transformed. You know what? When you're transformed, you're tapped into a transformer. And you know what a transformer does? It produces power. But if we're, if we're not aware of the cultural influence, the spirit of Antichrist, and all the unrest that's in our nation, we can talk about racism, we can, and we need to. We can talk about coronavirus, and we need to. We can talk about the government's response to coronavirus, and we need to. But if we can't do that without being hurt at each other and angry at each other and drawing dividing lines and say, I can't believe they would ever think that way. And you know what we're actually saying? They've lost their value in our eyes. They're no longer as valuable to me as they were before. And I just have one question for you. What's love got to do with it? We can talk politics. I don't care what president is in the Oval Office or what governor is sitting in the governor's mansion today. I can tell you honestly, I love Andy Brashear. I, I don't think I've agreed with a whole lot of his response to COVID, and that's okay. You may have agreed with him, and I'm okay with you agreeing with him. Because the question isn't whether you agree with me. The question is what's love got to do with it? I pray for Andy. Listen, I have a great deal of respect for that man. At a young age, you don't understand the responsibility that he's carried. How about you put that on and wear it for a day? And have everybody everywhere scrutinizing every decision you make, every breath you exhale, and telling you you're wrong at every point. Listen, as a pastor of a small church, I I understand just in a small way what that feels like. See, here's the thing. We end up giving ourselves, what, what's, I, I get this phrase here. We give ourselves justifiable immunity to sin because we're hurt. We're angry. We're offended. And we Give ourselves justified. You know what immunity is, right? You got a trial going on and maybe you're as guilty as sin or you're as guilty as the other guy, but they've got you to turn and you've got a piece of information and they say, hey, we're going to cut a deal with you. We're not going to prosecute you even though you're guilty as hell because you're going to give us something so we can get this guy. And somehow we, we strut our peacock feathers 
with our immunity deal. And we feel justified in being angry with our brother or sister who don't, doesn't think the way we think. I'm just speaking some real stuff at the moment right here. And it, and it messes the atmosphere of the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. See, the second that, you know, we got a breastplate of righteousness. Let's put on the whole armor of God so you don't, you know, can withstand the wiles, the strategies of the enemy. We got a breastplate. You know what? I didn't earn that thing. Neither did you. So who are you to stand up and judge Andy Bashir or Joe Biden or President Trump or your most handsome pastor? We don't understand what we get ourselves into sometimes. But it's this justifiable immunity thing that enables us to just, we justify ourselves and we cross over into sin. So you can be angry and not sin. <sighs> that stuff doesn't square with the gospel. I got to read something in Matthew 18 before we finish. You heard of Matthew 18? Is it in your Bible? Does it come right after 17? Matthew 18. We know this as, if you've been around the church very much at all, we know this as the correction chapter. You know why? Because we've all been offended at some point by somebody. And so we go to Matthew 18 to extract equity out of them. Listen to Matthew 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom? I told you they were twisted. Jesus called a little child to him and he put that child among them and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who's got the peacock feathers on now? Jesus, my name's Peter. I've been with you a long time. And I'm, I'm kind of like not afraid to open my mouth just for you. I tell a lot of people about you, Jesus. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, Peter, you ain't wearing the peacock feathers. See this little child right here? This little child doesn't care if the person standing in front of them is black or white, Hispanic or Asian. This little child? What's love got to do with it? That's the greatest in the kingdom. Verse 5. And if anyone, anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it's better that you would have uh, a large millstone tied around, tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrows await the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable. I want you to go down to look at verse 10. Beware that you don't look down on any one of these little ones. 
Love demands that I look at you as my equal. Even if you think differently than I do. But we have justifiable immunity. Didn't you see my peacock feathers? Beware that you don't look down. The only way you can look down is if you think you're above. Don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others and go to the hills and out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, he will tell the truth. I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the other ninety-nine that he did that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that any one of these little ones should perish. Fill in the blank, the, 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 the person that's been your greatest test inside these walls. Don't look at me weird. I know I'm the greatest one that's caused you challenge and test. I understand. Maybe that's why you're looking at me weird. Go ahead. Dare to fill in the blank with that person's name. Jesus said, the heart of my father is to leave the 99 and go search for that one. What's love got to do with it? Everything. If another, verse 15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. See, this is, this, this is that processing of discipline, church discipline. This is how we do church discipline. Someone was trying to school me on social media about three months ago about church discipline. I love you. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Now, if, if Jesus, if, if God is leaving the 99 and rejoices more over the one because he's after the one, and he says, listen, earlier on, I didn't read the whole passage, but woe to to those through whom the offense comes. Don't offend any one of these little ones. Woe to you if you're the one through whom the offense comes. If anyone sins against you, go to him privately and point out the offense. This isn't like, hey, Do you see my peacock feathers? I mean, I, I don't understand what could have entered your mind. Growing up, we had peacocks. So I know what peacocks look like. I know what they look like up close and personal. And I know how rude they can be. Because they're pretty convinced that they're the prettiest bird on the planet. Go privately and point out the offense. If another person listens and confesses it, if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. But if it's unsuccessful, take one or two with you and and so on, uh, down to verse 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Listen, I'm telling you, the spirit of Antichrist has access not only outside these walls, but inside these walls because we are permitting it. Because we're agreeing with the very things that that spirit perpetrates, which are hurt and anger and offense and judgment. 
He said, you can have what you want. You get to bind it or you get to loose it. And whatever you agree is loosed. Whatever you agree with. See, this is quiet in here because, you know, we, we still struggle with this inside these walls. If we can't handle it here, how? See, why is this important? It clogs the pipe way of love through our lives. See, the moment I'm offended at you, I lose the ability to agape you. It's true. The moment I'm hurt by you, Man, I gotta have a few minutes. Let me, I'm just a little time out here. I mean, I'm, we're gonna like go, you know, separate rooms. It's like time out, like, right? Because like, I can't handle you right now. Yeah, which means you can't love them right now. You lose the ability to agape them. Because you're not gonna invest in somebody that's hurt you. You can't invest in somebody that you're offended at. I mean, my God, how does that work? I don't even like them right now. How am I going to love them? Agape, self-investing, not like selfless, but like I can't even get to selfless. But I'm supposed to go through selfless to self. How am I going to invest in somebody I'm offended at? But I'm right. You don't understand. Well, you may be right. Jesus was right. And he let Pilate kill him. And it's the only way life comes. By dying, taking up the cross and following Jesus. See, we, dear ones, have been sent. Go therefore and make disciples. I could read the rest of this. There's so much. I, I, I just want, I got to get one point out here and I'm going to close. When some, when, so the servant, remember the parable of the servant? The servant comes in and he's so in debt to the master. Master says, okay, we're going to have to have you sold and your family sold. We're going to get, get something back for this debt. And he said, oh, no, please with us. Oh, no, please, please, please give me another chance. Give me another chance. And the master was merciful and gracious and he forgave a, a season of time. He for, no, he forgave his debt, right? And that servant, there's a story Jesus was told, telling, he goes out and others who owed him, he wasn't so nice to. What happened to that servant? Not good. What's love got to do with it? See, how do we get tripped up in these things? We, like that servant, we forget how much we've been forgiven. We forget the cross. Did you do any dirty deeds? I got a list. I don't know about you. I'm so glad it's hidden forever. The woman caught in adultery. Jesus said this. He said, she's loved so much because she's been forgiven much. See, when you don't think you've been forgiven much, you won't love much. We've fallen to this spirit of the age. Yeah, you can turn that on, please. We've fallen to the spirit of the age without 
wanting to, without trying to, without saying yes and writing our names on the dotted line and yeah, I'm going to do this. We just fall prey to the spirit of the age. We begin to harbor hurt. See, if we do it in here, listen, I can't tell you how many people I've run into and, want, and, and just struck up that love conversation and their hearts start opening up and I find out that they're the, they, they belong to the opposite political party that I do. Now what am I going to do? If I've watched CNN or Fox News, it's over. No, if I've believed everything they're selling, it's gone. There's no way. The gulf is so big between us. There's no way that agape is getting over that gulf. But what if we could keep our hearts clean? Dear ones, Jesus came to clean our hearts. And if our hearts are clean, then agape can flow freely through us, even to those that we completely disagree with. I had a prophetic dream. I had a, I had a powerful dream. It was the year, was, I won't tell you, because some of you were like, ah, I knew you were that. A president was elected that I strongly disagreed with their views. And I was praying for that president. Not Ouija board prayers. Not manipulative prayers. But loving prayers. I was loving that man on my knees. And I remember having a dream and in the dream, I was in this train. It was a slow-moving train, and it was this ornate car. It was like a living room set up. And these two men came from the car in front, and they came back to the car where I was, and they asked me, invited me to come up forward one car. And when they opened the door for me and let me inside, there I was sitting at the dinner table across the table from this president that, is, that had been elected. And I remember in the dream I had the sweetest conversation with that man. <laughs> it brings me joy to remember the dream because in the dream I was loving him just like I was doing on my knees. Politics will not save us. Neither will being right. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's going to end in death. What's love got to do with this? Jesus has come to destiny. Oh, we pray, oh, God, will you show up in our church services? Would you come and just like in your glory? And you're, oh, we just, we love that. But I want to tell you, Jesus has come to us at destiny. And he has put his hand inside of our heart. And you know what he's doing? He's doing this. He's repositioning us. He's, he's turning us inside out, outward. I just want to encourage you. If your heart has gotten slug, sluggish or slushy, 
because you might have been carrying some hurt against someone or some party or some government entity that forced you to wear a mask or to let or let others not wear a mask or some business that turned you away because you didn't want to wear the mask or fill in the blank. Does it really matter? Does it? Does it? What's love got to do with that? What's love got to do with that? If you're carrying hurt or anger, if you watch a news segment and can't help yourself but to mutter back at the reporter who's never gonna hear a word you say, (laughs) what's love got to do with that? Certainly not enough. If you've been offended at someone, maybe inside of these walls, because, you know, David's back there in the sound booth and, you know, he put some kind of guideline in place and I don't, I've been on the project, I don't really like that and I don't want to do it and when he's not looking, I'm not going to do it. Dear ones, what's love got to do with it? Does it really matter? Does it matter that, I'm, you wouldn't believe how much flack I've caught over the last few years about the, the, the shape of the chairs. I mean, you honestly would not believe, unless you're one that's complained to me, and then you'd believe it because you know, you know you came to me and complained about the chairs. But what's love got to do with it? What's it to you that I, I have a preference? I just want the chairs this way. And the truth is, I don't really care. I just want them in order. That's all. I just like the chairs to be in order. Please, like, line up. I would love for somebody, here's your, here's your next million-dollar idea. Please, one of the engineers in the church, figure out how to do this. Let's make chairs that, like, reset themselves. <laughs> but does it really matter? That someone has a preference that's different than what you want it to be? Really? Does it really matter that the homeless person that's standing out here on Alexandria and Versailles Road and we drive by and we can have all the judgment we want and boy, they've made terrible decisions and I'm not going to partner with that and they're not going to dime on my money. Really? Does it matter to us that much to be right? What's love got to do with it? What would love look like if our hearts were clean? Dear ones, if you need your heart cleaned a little, maybe a heart, a spiritual heart catheterization. Move a little plaque that's been building up. It's as simple as going back to remember the cross and how much you have been forgiven. Because who's, he who's been, who's been forgiven much is no problem loving much. Stand to your feet. And just take this moment 
I promise you this will be short. Take this moment and be honest with yourself and with the Lord. Is your heart clean? Is it clean toward those around you? Are you carrying anything that's clogging your love pipe? What's love got to do with that? Being clean is simply a, is as simple as you just releasing that thing. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Is it really that important? I invite you to let go right now. Surrender. Pick up your cross and follow him. Deny yourself. Move out of the selfish realm that it's a, it really is about you. Move, move from that selfish place and sacrifice yourself. It's not for nothing. This is for the gospel's sake. We've been sent to change the world, to make disciples of a king who is worthy, of a Lord who is amazing, of a savior who has given everything. This is a worthy cause. It's worth sacrificing ourselves for. Move away from that selfish place. Release that thing that you might have been carrying. Just let it go. Yeah, just let it go. Just let it go. Jesus, we give you those hurts, those offenses, that anger that we're not even really sure how it kind of swirled out of control at times and it just blurts out of our mouth when we see a news piece or something come up on our phone or we pass by somebody that rubbed us the wrong. Lord, we're not even sure how we got here. It doesn't matter. We don't want to be here. We want to be like you. So we just release that to you right now. We thank you that you've already forgiven us. We confess it to you, we release it to you, and God, we remind ourselves who we really are. That's not who we are. Who we are is we're disciples. We are sons and daughters of Jesus. We are like him. As a father sent him, so he sent us. So Lord, I thank you for a release and a forgiveness that comes and covers us and releases us from that captivity to those things that have been clogging our pipes. But one last thing. We don't just want to stay at selfless. Would you just in these last moments, would you ask Jesus to show you what it looks like to be self-investing in others? And if you're not sure even what that you're asking, just ask him to make you like him. Because God invested himself in humanity into your life when he came up close and personal and took on the form of a man so that he could be like us and we could see him and relate to him. Would you ask Jesus, would you give him permission to fashion you and form you into his image so that you're not selfish anymore, but you're not just selfless. You are able 
because you're free from yourself. You're free from hurt and anxiety and you're free from frustration and anger toward people and offense and judgmentalism. You're free from that. You can actually now give yourself. (laughs) You could give Jesus away inside the package of you. Yes, Lord. That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. As the Father sent me, Jesus is saying to you today, so I send you. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for your tenderness and your mercy, which is new every morning. Thank you that we are walking out of this place clean today. Not just of things that might have been in the surface here, but clean so that our hearts are free. We can give ourselves away again. We can dare to be like you and just love people. So I thank you, Father, right now as we finish, I thank you that you're lining up divine appointments for everyone within earshot of these words. Live stream or live in the house today, you are ordering our steps and you're causing our paths to come across people who are desperate for love. Yeah. And God, I'm so excited thinking about my week. I know there's pressure, there's some things I gotta get done, all that stuff's still there. But I'm excited because I've thought the thought, you are ordering my steps and you're bringing me into contact with people who are desperate to be loved. And I am so grateful that you have made me your son and I can do that. I can love the person in front of me. So thank you for those divine moments that you're packaging into our week this week. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's sensitive to be moved with your compassion so that we can be sent this week. Ah, and show the world again who you really are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.